The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included. All while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. All right, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Running the Break. I'm Alex Wong, as usual, here with my co-host, CJ Toledano. We had a wonderful interview with Robert Ori on last week's episode that everybody should check out. CJ, we've got another special guest today. I'm very excited about this guest. This guest is actually kind of responsible for me spending irresponsibly probably for the last 25 years. So I have uh, I have some words to, to share with him. But um, yeah, Thomas O'Grady. Thomas, how are you doing, man? Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, good. Tom, Yeah, you know, we're, we're going to definitely dive into your story. But, you know, I think for people that, that don't know, you know, you know, CJ and I always talk about on the show our, our favorite 90s jerseys, logos, and, and things of that nature. And this is the person, Tom O'Grady, who is, you know, honestly responsible, like like CJ mentioned, for, for us, um, you know, spending all of our disposable income on, on jerseys and, and other things. Uh, Tom, man, so, so glad for you to join us. I am so glad to be here. Alex, we've known each other now what three years we've had a lot of great conversations over over time and uh cj it's nice to meet you uh via podcast um every conversation we have i think gets more and more interesting and as the world turns in the uh sports identity and design world i think it gets more interesting than less interesting it just seems like there's more uniforms out there than ever there's more focus on it social media has made it such a big deal in the mid 90s you know, a beat writer would report on a uniform design, you know, and would have no idea about style or fashion or merchandising or marketing. And today it seems like everybody's an expert. So it's really changed. And it's got this really passionate following 
So to be able to talk to two gentlemen who I think really are immersed in the culture, is super exciting for me. Yeah, I mean, today of all days, too, when they it was a big news story that the City Edition NBA uniforms were revealed, like, could you imagine just like, and we'll get into your backstory, but back in the 90s, like, going on, you know, reading NBA news and at the top of the list is, oh, the new jerseys are being unveiled. Like, what's your reaction seeing that, you know, sort of unveiled today? It's just the attention that's become focused on uniform design that wasn't there 30 years ago. Um, You just would design a uniform, make sure everything fit, made sure you got it to retail, uh, made sure the players were happy with it. And uh, the biggest goal was just to get it on the back of players in time for their first game. (laughs) That was probably the most driving aspect of the entire uh, industry. And, uh, and, you know, uh, it was in the early 90s, there was a perfect storm, uh, CJ and Alex, of technology merging with a bigger focus on sports licensed products, the revenues were exploding at the time. So there was, you know, the development of a home white color road uniform and then the introduction of alternate uniforms. It became really a cash cow. And over time, Champions Replica business was the largest part of the NBA properties business. We sold more replica jerseys than anything else. Trading cards, you name it. Replica jerseys were, were the monster category. And so... I think over time, that fascination with uniform designs and how they relate to the players and the creativity of alternate uniforms and complete lines, like you mentioned, the City Edition, has brought a lot of focus on the design of uniforms. And uh, I could never have seen that 30 years ago. Uh, when we designed a uniform, uh, we just were, hope- were hoping that the fans didn't revolt uh, we hope that the owners are really happy with it, and we hope that David Stern would have, have me come back the next day at work. <laughs> so <laughs> that was pretty much the mandate. Um, but we also had a lot of fun because we didn't have so much scrutiny over it. Uh, there was not the attention focused on it. So I don't know if you could probably even design a uniform like, let's say, the Raptors today and not get obliterated on social media. Uh, so we had the chance to let things launch, let let fans digest it, let them have their yeses and nos, and the polarizing teams like the Pistons, you know, there would be people that loved it and hated it, uh, but it, it all worked out. Uh, but today, man, I could not imagine the scrutiny of what the designers at Nike Basketball and the NBA and the sports leagues in general go through when they launch a new uniform. I mean, I would be like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Did we do all the sanity checks here? I don't know if they do focus groups anymore. Back in the day, we did focus groups for a sanity check to make sure the uniforms weren't offensive to anybody. I don't think that happens today because they move so fast. You know, how many teams introduced the uniforms today? Was all 30? Had I think so, issues? yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I can't imagine the staffing that they must have out in Beaverton, Oregon, at Nike to be able to do all that work. Um, it's incredible. And then, Forget about just designing a uniform. How do you get it manufactured overseas? And how do you develop it at retail? And how do you get the swingman jersey done? And how do you get the replica jersey done? And how do you get the authentic jerseys done? Times 30? It's inconceivable to me. So it's pretty. It's a pretty different world. Uh, but I love it. I love watching it. You know, I, you know, I know Alex knows I'm somewhat of a critic, both good and bad in the industry. But I think it's because I take personal pride in a lot of the things we did back in the day. And uh, we worked really hard to set a bar uh, 
of design uh, integrity, both on the uniforms, on the courts. As we got into NBA.com and the development website, uh, there was a lot of pride and a lot of competition with our counterparts at the NFL and Major League Baseball and at the NHL. We always wanted to outdo each other. You know, if I did something at major, uh, at NBA for the Raptors and then OC Major League Baseball came up with something like Colorado Rockies, we'd be like, oh, wow, you know, I really love what you did with that. And, oh, she'd say, oh, you know, that was great what you did with the, the Grizzlies or whatever. So we had this friendly competition, which pushed us harder to do better work, you know, and, uh, and I, you know, we, I still speak with her today and we, we talk about, wow, what a different world it is. And yet we were, we were, we were combatants on the informed design and allies off, you know, we would talk about what designer are you using? What manufacturer did you use? What kind of pricing models did you have? So behind the scenes, we had these marionettes moving the industry forward fast, uh, because we had to, we, we didn't have, there were no sports designers walking into our door in 1990 because there were no such thing as a sports designer back then. So we had to find really good designers who were good people, uh, hard workers who were willing to learn about sports. That's really how it worked back then. So uh, it's it's fascinating how it's changed. But uh, I never get tired of it. You know, I, I follow the, you know, Chris Kramer site. I follow Alex's articles, you know, whatever's out there that I can digest. You know, uh, I love it, and I have a hard, strong opinion about it often. But I think that's because it's one of the areas of design that designers really get a big platform. Graphic designers don't get a very visible platform often. But, man, you design a uniform for the Toronto Raptors, you know, and that's going to launch in front of millions and mil- millions of people around the globe. That's a big visible assignment, you know. And so when you get the chance to do just one team, it's a big deal. But when you do it for 13 years, you have a lot in the line. Your reputation is on the line. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's really a great platform for a designer to make their way. Everybody knows in sports today, I think most do, who Alexander Julian is. And they probably never wore his, <laughs> his teal polo shirts back in the eighties, but they know the Charlotte Hornets teal designed by fashion designer Alexander Julian. So there's a great example of a person who, had a clothing business who designed this cool uniform for Charlotte and continues to be known today for that and for the North Carolina uniforms in the Argot. So, yeah, so it's uh, it's an amazing business, and it I can't believe how much it continues to grow and expand and the attention that's on it. So very cool. Very cool yeah. to be at the beginning of it, yeah. Yeah, no, it's incredible, man. Um, and, you know, there's so much about the 90s logo landscape that, that you know, we want to dive in uh, with you. So so let's take this quick break. And when we come back, let's let's talk about NBA logos in, in the 90s and get some behind the scenes stories from Tom O'Grady. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. All right, we're back and running the break. We're joined by Thomas O'Grady. Thomas, can you remind us what your exact role, and it won't even sum up exactly what you did in the 90s, but what was your official title when joining the NBA back in the 90s? I walked in the door June 1st, 1990 as the NBA's first art director. So the term back in the late 80s and early 90s, art director was very common in advertising agencies. And so I directed art, basically. <laughs> I wasn't just designing. I was also managing a lot of the projects. One of the first things I worked on at the NBA was actually the introduction of the Skybox trading cards. Uh, if you remember those back in the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with the wild graphics. Um, we signed a couple big deals with Upper Deck Basketball, with Fleer Basketball, and they needed somebody who knew how to do printing. And so when I came on board, I wasn't really starting to work on identity work yet. They were having people throw money at them to produce trading cards. So, uh, you know, this is a, you know, I, I think that after, at the end of 1991, I think they had a net profit on trading cards alone of about $35 million for four licenses, Flare, Hoops, Skybox, and Upper Deck. And so David Stern said, listen, I want you to build this in-house creative division, but we got to just chase this for a while. We don't know how long this is going to last. So I need your help to pull us together. I need help with the art direction. I need help with how we're going to manufacture these. We work with a company called Impel Marketing, who actually back in the time made cigarettes. And so the cigarette business was starting to slide away. So they were looking to get into different businesses. And, uh, and so they started producing trading cards. And I think they did the NBA Hoops card cards and helped with FLIR produce the cards. So that was my indoctrination into the NBA. I didn't walk in as this hired gun to be a logo and uniform designer by any means. Um, my first assignment uh, for a logo design actually came through uh, the New York Knicks. Um, uh, a, a talented uh, marketing person named Pam Harris and I had met in late 1990, 
at just because she knew I started the NBA. And she said, you know, the Knicks are looking to update their identity. And so that was actually the first project I took on as a designer of uniforms and logos. And I reached out to a mega talented type designer named Michael Durrett, uh, who was internationally known for his magazine covers and all this specifically typography guy, New York guy, uh, loved the Knicks. And so he helped me design the Knicks logo, which was that looking up at the, with the triangle behind it. Yep. It was kind of meant to be kind of a superhero look. One of the great things about that logo that never came into fruition was originally we had the Empire State Building on the top of it with NY kind of caressing it over the top. And somehow it got to Time Warner that we planned on doing this. So they wanted to take a royalty on every sale of the Knicks logo <laughs> because the Empire State Building, which they owned, was in the logo. <laughs> so that would have been probably uh, one of those things where I think maybe if we'd have known the amount of money that was generated as time went on, we might have like considered it. But we had to lop off the top of the Empire State Building there, and we couldn't use that. Did that? And so that was the. Go ahead. Sorry, did that? Did that show up later in the when when the All Star Game was in uh, in New York? A hybrid of it did show okay. up. Yeah, and but we had the skyline, and we had the Madison Square Garden at the front of it, that kind of familiar hockey puck shape. Gotcha. Uh, uh, but I always thought that man, if that would have stuck around, it was beautiful because the idea yeah. for the lettering was that you're looking up at the building, so you're. You're plopped on, you know, 34th and 7th, and you're looking up, and there's the Empire State Building next to the Madison Square Garden. It was it was really a beautiful logo. And then Michael helped me design the NYK secondary logo, which was a subway token. So you guys are probably too young to remember putting subway tokens in to get onto a subway train. But, <laughs> oh, the, <come> on. <laughs> but, but the NYK was the subway token for New York. So that's how we came up with that idea. The subway dropped fans off right at 34th, right by Madison Square Garden. So it was a perfect connection to both the team and the NY piece that all fans love. Everybody loves the NY Yankees logo or the NY Mets logo or the NY Giants helmet. And so the Knicks had their own NYK logo that we created for them, which was really a beautiful logo. I see it today and I'm like, I wish the Knicks would use it more. It's very handsome. So, yeah, so that was actually the first shot at doing it. And I did it for Pat Riley. Uh... Dave Checkets and Ernie Grunfeld when they were at the Knicks at the time. And they were great to work with. And we got that thing through pretty fast. Uh, I had a commissioner looking over my shoulder because he's actually in New York. Uh, Stern was a big Knicks fan. So he said, don't screw this one up, you know, as he did with all of them. And uh, we got through it and added a little black and a little silver, which is very popular at the time to do. Uh, built off of all the popular uh, popularity of black and silver, you know, the Raiders and the LA Kings change and the white Sox cap so that was all happening at the same time in the fashion category of sports apparel so it worked out really well it fit i think a, a black uniform and a silver uniform in new york with the royal and orange and i think it was a perfect marriage i think it really updated it nicely no that that story is awesome do you have before we even go on because i have so many other ones you know we wanted to ask you about like what were your favorite like just logos growing up for for sports well i'm from chicago so I'm spoiled. I think we have really some of the best sports logos uh, in all professional sports back here in Chicago. And uh, I grew up a Blackhawk fan. So I was, a, as a little kid, you know, Chicago's a cold city. So we played a lot of outdoor hockey. When I was a kid, my idols were Bobby Hull, Stan Makita at the time. And so when I would be lucky enough to be able to go to a Blackhawks game at the old Chicago stadium, seeing that beautiful red uniform with the Indian head press 
and those gorgeous secondary logos uh, with that beautiful striping uh, was always something I would just try to draw as a kid. Like I was always just like, oh, I got to try to draw this on a note card or whatever. And uh, and I even think today, like if you're talking about the Ferrari of sports uniforms, the Blackhawk uniform, that red one, it's almost like it's to me is like the Ferrari uniform. It's just so classic, so elegant, black and red with just a touch of other colors. It's just as handsome as hell, you know. So I think that's where I got caught into it. Bears have a great uniform. The White Sox changed their uniform at the time in 1990. So I kind of, and even the White Sox, when I was a kid, uh, I followed them in the 70s. And Dick Allen, uh, who had this powder blue White Sox uniform with the red, which is one of the most stunning baseball uniforms I've ever seen with the White Sox sanitary holes with the sock there. It's gorgeous. Uh, beautiful. And the Cubs are classic. Cubs are the classic. They had, you know, that powder blue, baby blue uniform for a while. And and finally, the Bulls. I mean, is there maybe a more classic, better uniform in basketball than maybe the Bulls, you know, red uniform and the white one? I mean, those are just, they've never really changed them, really. They've always had the diamond pattern in the pants. And so, yeah, so that's where I really got my passion for following it. And then I like some of the wackier stuff. I think I've always had this in my blood. I love the Astros tequila sunrise uniform as a kid. We, uh, we had a softball team back here in Chicago. And so we were able to get sand to make those uniforms for us. So we had like, when I was a kid playing softball, we had the Astros uniform, but instead of Astros, it said hustlers because that was the name of our team. And <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. We'd show up to these games and, you know, some of these older guys would be like, you guys look like clowns, you know. We were really good, so then we'd go ahead and we'd kind of beat their ass, you know, after they trashed us, you know, and, uh, but it was fun. And, uh, yeah, so that's where I think I really got my, um, my indoctrination at the sports uniforms was, I think Chicago has always had some beautiful designs. And, you know, it was for me as a kid, it was 24 seven sports, you know, uh, I was, you know, I, I was a good kid, decent student. I never got into trouble because I was too busy playing sports. It was, Baseball in spring, summer, football, fall, basketball, winter, and hockey winter. So there was never any break. You know, I, I, my poor parents paying for all this equipment and all this stuff. But it was always, that was always, and I come from a family that loves sports and had season tickets to the Blackhawk games and whatnot. So it's always something that's caught my eye. And, uh, you know, I never thought that I'd get to do it for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something you don't dream when you're a kid because you don't even know that people <laughs> work like that but uh that's that's kind of what i really kind of grew up with is the 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 uniforms of the chicago teams and uh and i still think they're great today i don't think there's a there's a bad one in the bunch yeah i mean so i I completely agree and i uh, it's i'm kind of fascinated with i think chicago just with every sport like you said is their uniforms are so classic so why mess with it and i think like you know, other NBA teams like the Lakers and the Celtics, they really don't stray too far away from that original classic design. Now, you were, the Bulls were obviously the biggest team in sports in the 90s. And you, you know, with your wild designs of some of the other teams, when the Bulls were sort of on your plate, were you on the side of like, we got to leave it alone or we just got to like keep doing what works? Or were there some thoughts in your head of like, Hey, if we wanted to take a step or a swing, this is what I would want to do. Where, where did you sort of land in, in the approach of, of design or like it, it tweaks that they could have done in the nineties? CJ, there was never a chance to take a swing. Okay. We, okay. we were, we were never even invited to the ballpark. So if you look, if you look at the Chicago Bulls logo, it's basically the same logo from 1966, yeah. 67. 
Um, it's all sorts of funny, funny side point. It's the only uh, logo in professional sports that has blood in it. If you look carefully at the Bulls logo, the two mm-hmm. horns have yeah. blood. <laughs> you can never do that today. You would not be able to have a logo with blood on it, I don't think, because of the uh, political sensitivity of that. But that logo never changed. We did this, we designed a secondary logo, a B with the same horns, the B from their lettering, and put it on the horn for New Era. New Era wanted a like faux secondary logo collection for caps, and I can send that along to you guys later. But Steve Shanwald was our marketing guy at the time. We'd sit at these marketing meetings. He knew me because I was from Chicago. We had a close relationship, but He's like, Tom, don't even bother. You know, Jerry doesn't want to touch a thing. Reinsdorf is completely happy with what he has. You know, if you watch a game today, there's five Bulls logos on the on the court. They have the one at center court, and they have the ones in the transition areas. You know, that that is sanctimonious. And when they started winning championships, that kind of closed the door on doing anything different. We did, however, get to work with them on the black alternate uniform with the red pinstripes. So if you remember that one around maybe 93, oh, yeah. 94, uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, we called it the Capone design because it looked like what they call a zoot suit. It looked like a pinstripe red, <laughs> a black a, bl- <laughs> a black suit with red pinstripes is so Chicago. I can't yeah. even see straight, you know? <laughs> so, and it was, it was great. It was hot. Uh, ultimately, they removed those off the uniform, but I always thought that that was really a slick design, too. I really loved it. And they sold the hell out of that. Of course, it doesn't hurt to have Pippin Jordan and later on Rodman wearing the thing, but it was really a popular design. It made all the sense in the world. The Blackhawks had the same thing. They had a black jersey that was the exact flip of the red jersey for quite a while. And they sold the hell out of that thing, too, from what I understand. So sometimes the answers are pretty easy when it comes to designing a uniform because they're right in front of you. You, know, you don't have to, you know. Get into Illustrator, hit a couple buttons, and there's your new uniform design. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I bought a bunch of those B hats on eBay. You did, I did, yeah, you did. because okay. I always my thought and started or cut you off, Alex. It, I, I loved having the Bulls logo on my hat, but I, I love baseball caps, and I love when it's just a letter. And I was like, I, I wonder if this existed. And I heard you on another podcast, and I went out. And I bought some, and they they weren't new era. I think they were either like a car dealership or kind of like locally. Okay. So I don't even know if it's the exact B logo that you came up with, but it just made so much sense to be with the horns. So just wanted to give you a shout for I love yeah, that no, logo. No problem. No, that was they they created a whole fitted fifty nine fifty series uh, for new era, and we did it for about twenty of the thirty teams. They just wanted some teams didn't have secondary logos, so we just kind of made them up. You know, uh, and uh, we work with New Era and they're like, OK, we got it through the legal department and they put them on. So you could kind of see that if you go on to New Era 90s, vintage 5950 NBA team or whatever. Yeah, you'll see these kind of wacko hats like the Jazz J was done way before they did it recently it was done like in the 90s. So, yeah, it, you know, things are cyclical, but that was a it was cool, like. Even like the idea of secondary logos back in the early 90s really didn't exist. Like, you know, we didn't we just started doing those when I started designing uniforms because we knew that some teams had them. And that was my connection back to the Blackhawks. So when he started designing primary logos for the teams like the Knicks, 
I'd be like to Pam Harrison the next, what's going to be your secondary logo? And she's like, what is the secondary logo? And I'm like, oh, here's, I got a picture of the Blackhawks. Look at their shoulders. They have, see the tomahawk with the C? That's the secondary logo. And she's like, oh, that is so cool. We want one of those. And I'm like, well, you can't have a tomahawk, but I'll create a, <laughs> a subway token for you. You know, so yeah, so that was like, there's going back to my roots in the Blackhawks. Not only do they have a great crest for the Indian head, but the Tomahawks are a beautiful logo. And that's that's a classic secondary logo. And so that's what we started introducing as part of the bigger identity packages for the team. It's what we call the brand architecture, the primary logo, the secondary logo, the team word mark, maybe a partial logo out of the primary logo, the lettering font, the number fonts, those kind of what consisted of what the team ingredients were for brand success. And that's the same thing today, basically. You know, um, you see that universally. It's rare that a team will introduce a primary logo without a secondary logo. They'll have some kind of ancillary mark, uh, which really works well. In, 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 in basketball, our logos tended to be busier. So they don't make the greatest cap marks, you know. And so when you can get a secondary logo design, design like, a, like a letter for like a baseball cap, it makes more sense. We didn't think like that back in the 90s. We really weren't worrying about selling a lot of caps necessarily. We were just trying to command what the, what the logo said. And you know, you notice that many of the NBA logos have a basketball in them, which is unique to the other three sports. Cause I think there's two footballs in the NFL, uh, in the 32 teams. The Jets have a football in their logo and the Tampa Bay, uh, Buccaneers have a football in their flag, I think, or underneath the thing. And then, you look at baseball, baseball just has, I think, a few logos that have a baseball in it. And hockey, how many pucks do you see in the logos? So David Stern's mandate to me when I first joined the league was, he goes, always continue to think internationally. Always think, you know, internationally. And I, well, I'd be like, what do you think that means? He goes, well, if we're making a Milwaukee Bucks logo or if we're making a such and such. So when we did the Bucks logo, we didn't put a basketball in it. And that was, I think, one of the last times we did not include it in there because his mandate to us was like, we're going to open up an NBA store in Melbourne, Australia, and then they might have no idea what the Milwaukee Bucks are. But if they see a basketball within the mark, they'll connect it to basketball and they'll connect it to our brand. So that was part of his genius, you know, always kind of like having us see a bigger picture than maybe what was in front of us and thinking two or three steps ahead of it. And so that's why you see a lot of basketballs, both in the NBA logos and in the WNBA logos over time. No, that's that's really interesting, man. And all this talk, yeah. obviously, about these kind of more iconic teams, like you guys talking about the Bulls, you know, the Knicks, must have been such a, I don't know, it was like a breath of fresh air for you, you know, when, when you talk about going international and the two expansion teams, the Raptors and the Grizzlies in, in 95 and getting a chance to, to work on those, like just having that blank canvas must have been so exciting for you. Oh, <laughs> so when you talk about exposure of rebranding a team as a designer, that's that's high level enough stuff. But when you start from uh, an empty sketch, loose leaf paper and a sketch pad, and you get to start there, that's is you know I have one wonderful son. That's I've, I'm fortunate enough to have one child, 18 year old hockey player, great kid. And there's all it's that's designing a logo for an t- expansion team is almost as exciting <laughs> when you see your kid born as when he get to do the expansion identity have, because... have you have you told your son that <laughs> oh, okay. he's he's coming he's upstairs he's coming back from came back from college today he loves basketball i've got him today uh, a couple days ago he chris paul um uh new you know the retro oh, sun's yeah. uniform 
his first name is Paul. So he's going to get his Paul uniform. <laughs> and, uh, and he was like, dad, I want to get the red. I want to get the vintage design. I'm like, okay, I'll get it for you. Don't worry about it. You know, but no, it's, it, it you're really giving birth to a franchise. You really are. Your blood and guts and sweat and your DNA are basically all over that team because you're the one that's kind of steering it through all of its, you know, all of the foxholes and getting it around some of the naysayers and trying to get it through legal. The design part's the fun part. It's like taking, you know, it's like a running back who's going to get hit, you know, like uh, an Earl Campbell. Like, you're going to have to get in there, hold the ball, and you're going to get pounded. But if you keep running hard, you know, you'll get there. And uh, that was always the fun of Toronto and Vancouver. Again, so much of this comes down to having a great owner. So when you have an owner like John Vito Jr. at the Raptors or Arthur Griffiths at Vancouver, who trust the designers, you're, you're, you're way down the fairway. When they, they're going to say, you're the experts. You guys kind of tell us what you think. And when they allow you to do what you do best, usually the results are pretty outstanding. And I think that's one of the reasons both Vancouver and uh, Toronto turned out as well as they did. We didn't have any history to worry about. You know, like we had a fresh breath, a fresh start for both teams. And both owners had, you know, Alex and CJ had such a different vision of what they wanted in the project. So um, to be able to do that, geez, in a one-year period was exhilarating. And to finally see it <clears throat> launch and have fans happy with it overall, um, and to see the success and the passion of it today, the, the vintage, uh, you know, uh, appeal uh, is so rewarding. It really is. You know, it's like seeing your kid grow up like my son and be a good kid. You know, it's yeah. like, hey, it's a good boy. You know, like he's got good grades. He's going to, you know, Kelly School of Business. He's doing really great, you know. And it's like the same thing when you see Mitchell and Ness selling those things like they're going out of style 25 years later. You know, I've, I've talked to Bitto a couple of times and he goes, you know, he'd say, hey, we did good, right? I go, you're damn right we did good, you know. Talk to Mitchell and Ness's retail numbers. He goes, "Yeah, I wish I hadn't sold the team so fast." <laughs> but anyway, I, I digress. But yeah, there is a lot of pride in it. And boy, that's another key word. It's like I'm designing. If you guys are in Toronto, I'm designing for you guys. You know, I'm designing. I'm one of the fans. I'm sitting next to you at the Raptors game. I better put my heart and soul into it and throw everything in the kitchen sink as far as effort and making sure we explored every option. Uh, you know, that we could, that coming up with, you know, like the Hornets did with the unique color palette, like we did for Toronto and a little bit for Vancouver with the turquoise and stuff. So it's just trying to put um, the team in a place where they have so much to worry about. They have to draft the team. They have to find an arena. They have to get fans. They have to sell tickets. They probably don't want to be worrying about, you know, you know, uh, issues with their identity. And so when those launch. I think they were very successful, and uh, and uh, and I, you know, it's a shame that Vancouver's still not playing in Vancouver. But uh, ultimately, it's nice how Toronto's evolved their brand and whatever. But I do miss the dinosaur and uh, on on a court more often than I see him. But whatever, that's just that's just time and how things change. But yes, it's uh, there's nothing like it, Alex. It's the best feeling in the world to be able to create a new identity from nothing and be part of it and being the kind of the mad scientist behind the scenes, putting it together. Uh, and then having the confidence from everybody else to do it right. You know, that's the other cool thing, you know, that you're, that's, that's, that's a big money ticket. And, uh, and when you do it right, it feels good. 
So, yeah. Well, so one last question before we take another break. Like your imprint in the 90s with the Raptors, the Grizzlies, the Sonics, like that was an obvious, like an aesthetic that obviously, you know, Mitchell and Ness and Vintage, it's, it, it, it's all that look, right? And so what was that equation? And like, how did you figure that out where you're like, it's almost, I think I've seen you describe it as superhero-esque. Like there's a lot of like, um, you, you see the multi-dimensions of the designs. Like how could you describe I think like the storytelling, the design and like the, the integration of the colors, um, was there like a formula that you guys figured out and you're like, Oh, I got to go to this team, uh, or I'm, we're going to approach this team's design with that formula. We just, what I think what ended up happening and we talked about it a little bit more, but you kind of had the classics that you couldn't touch the untouchables, right? Mm-hmm. The bulls and the Lakers and the Celtics. And to a little lesser degree, like the Spurs, right? Like they had been that same look from the ABA days. And somewhat the Knicks, those were kind of like, although we updated the Knicks, it was still the Royal and Orange. And it looked different, but it kind of looked the same, the same lettering. And then you had a more open palette for the rest of the teams because they didn't have this long history of success and winning and all the famers and whatnot. So um, there was such a demand uh, made by like teams like when the Suns relaunched their identity. Um, I love teams. I love marketing guys. I love the owners, but there's certainly a, uh, a me too attitude that sometimes permeates through the teams. When they see one team do it well, they want to be the next team to do outdo that. And so they come back to us and they're like, Oh, we saw what you did with the Suns. Can you do something like that for, you know, the, you know, the Hawks or can you do something like that for, you know, the, the Raptors or whatever. And uh, it becomes almost like contagious. It becomes, uh, you know, everybody's kind of chasing the same, a little bit over-the-top design. Um, and that's okay, because a team like the Raptors or the Grizzlies have no history to, you know, mess with. And teams have had, you know, checkered past, like the Hawks or some of those teams that don't have a long history of winning and have changed uniforms very often. Uh, this was a chance that just they wanted to kind of be another one of those teams with the sublimated cool uniforms, you know? And sometimes I think the marketing guys too enjoyed it because it shows that they can kind of stretch their marketing muscles. On, so instead of doing an arc one color type on a uniform with one color numbers and, you know, they could be the Pistons, you know? So you, you saw a team that wanted to just go off, go off the grid and come up with something very different than the red and blue, you know, bad boys look uh that's what they asked for uh and that's what we worked on together and that's what they got (laughs) so i wasn't really the driver of any of these things where i'm like you have to do this you know you've got to change it because you guys look old-fashioned or you're going to fall behind it's teams seeing what other teams are doing with those kind of more uh provocative identities and saying we'd like one of those ourselves you know and so that's really how the momentum of the 90s happened once we knocked down the Knicks, I mean, once we knocked down the Knicks, and then we kind of knocked down the Bucks, and then we knocked down the Suns, and then we did the Sacramento Kings, and then the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, like the the kitsch design kept coming more and more popular, and the Sonics. The Sonics are a team, like, if you look at if their identity, if you look at that uh, Kelly Green and Freddie Brown era Jack Sigma, right, the 70s design that they won the championship with, it looks like they missed two generations of changes, right? <laughs> it's like the Coke can was like in the 70s, and now it's like 1995, and you're finally updating the Coke can. That design is so high school you know, 
that it's like they missed an update or two, you know? So when it was finally uh, time for them to say, hey, we want to make a change, it looked so revolutionary because there wasn't any steps in between. We didn't kind of slowly take off that banding and we just didn't slowly take off that kind of Helvetica curve, curve lettering. We just went from like 20 miles an hour to 110 miles an hour, you know, just like visually. And so that's why sometimes I think fans would revolt because it'd been so long for so many years where teams didn't update their identity or make a movie change like a Coca-Cola can that when we finally came out with something that fit in the mid nineties, it was like shocking. <laughs> and you could see, you know, people like, ah, you know, what is this? Or like, Oh my God, the rockets, God forbid, you know, so <laughs> you looked at that seventies. That's like Rudy Tom Jonovich design, right? From the seventies. And all of a sudden, haven't changed, haven't changed, and it's all of a sudden blast off. Here comes the Rockets, nineteen ninety five or ninety six. After, unfortunately, after winning two championships, uh, which was all its own story. But yeah, so sublimation was allowing us to do it. Technology was giving us the chance to do things that were very different. And hey, it was happening in the NHL, right? Like we're seeing a lot of cool, wacky things in the nineties with the NHL. Baseball to a lesser degree, but the NFL was doing a couple things that they tried to do with the Jaguars and a couple other teams. So, yeah, everybody was trying to be the next cool thing, you know, and some teams went in both feet, you know, and that's kind of how it happened. It wasn't like we were just trying to shock the world. We were just knocking them down one at a time. Yeah, no, that's that's so interesting, man. We still got a couple more things to ask you, Tom. So, so let's... Let's take this break, and then we'll come back more with Tom O'Grady. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG dot com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources <sighs> spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments there's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices free samples free shipping and our 100 satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. 
Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. And we're back here with Tom O'Grady. Tom, now I mentioned earlier today they announced the new City Edition jerseys. And it must be tough. I mean, like, let's be honest. It must be tough seeing sort of... uh, you know, seeing a new designs and just, it's a new era, right? Um, so what's like, what are some of the things that are exciting you about what you're seeing um, Nike basketball and the NBA and the teams doing with uh, these new jerseys today? I think what's happening with Nike and the NBA is that I think when you get into a, uh, an agreement with, with a partner, you know, they have certain financial goals and mandates that they have to meet. So to say we're going to stay with the same Boston Celtics uniform that we've had for 25 years probably makes it pretty difficult to drive a lot more revenue. You know, and you're just changing numbers off the green uniform or whatever. So I think a lot of this is trying to create, uh, you know, extensions uh, for retail opportunities, right? So does a team need to change and add a new uniform every season to be competitive or whatever absolutely not it's a chance to i would think you know stretch their kind of creative you know wings a little bit and see what they can put out there that fans are going to react to and you've had some huge wins you've had huge wins like the miami vice look right so that's slowly become one of the most popular uniforms maybe in the last 50 years in the nba right um and there are a few others like the valley design that the suns did right like you see some that stand out and to me, like if, just to be kind of a, a snob, it's one of those things where I'd say, oh, I would have designed something like that, you know, back in the 90s. It would have probably fit in there somewhere because of the brightness of the colors, the energy put into the design, the fact that it looks great on the court. You know, it kind of checks all the boxes. I know there's a lot of talk about this in-season tournament that they want to consider. So there would be a platform where, like, I don't want it to look like the Bulls for those tournaments. I want something completely different. I want, I don't want to have to tuck in my jerseys. I want untucked jerseys for the tournament. God <laughs> darn it. You know, like Marquette's uniforms or DePaul's, you know, like let's just, and super light, maybe a little bit looser fitting, you know, and just let them, you know, like, like you're playing in a gym, like a practice look, you know, super lightweight, super wispy, you know, that's really cool when the guys are running, it's kind of flowing behind them. Everything has gotten so form fitted today too, you know, like it's like, Oh, they look so tight in there. I, I see some of these highlights of the 90s, and I have to laugh because these shorts are too long and the jerseys are too loose, but there's a certain kind of, like, badassness to it, you know, that just, like, they were just hitting there. They are just, and the urban market just copied it right out the window, you know. It was just, like, everybody with extra long shorts, you know. It looks kind of tacky today, but, man, when we were doing it back then, that was that was what it was all about, you know, so... I think that one of the things, you know, I know we're getting near our time here, but I think that the NBA should look to soccer, especially Euro soccer, and what's done with some of the patterns on their mm. uniforms these days, which if you really focus on it, like um, like Umbro for the World Cup and Adidas for the World Cup, killer designs, killer patterns within the designs. And the NBA doesn't really do much with patterns within the jersey fronts. You know, it's it's either a pinstripe or you know whatever, but man, if you look at some of these soccer soccer kits and what they do with the with the patterns, uh, not the crazy ones, but the subtle like tonal things, I think those things are just so sweet, you know. And I don't think the NBA has done enough with those. 
you know, I think there could be a lot learned there. If I was brought back today, the first thing I would do with my design team, you know, I'd be like, we're getting our bus on a plane. We're going over to Europe. Let's go visit Adidas there. Let's go visit Puma. What are they doing with the materials? What are they doing with the fabrics? What are they doing with the patterns within uh, the fabric? You know, uh, because they have a big hindrance. They have sponsors all over the front of their uniforms where the NBA has got beautiful team marks in front of them. We're still very lucky that we haven't destroyed our NBA uniforms. Yeah, it's a small patch, but we still have a ton of real estate to do some cool stuff on our jerseys, you know, and shorts. So we should find things that are going to move it the bar forward. And I think that would be one thing that the NBA could do and maybe even bring in a soccer kit designer or two into Beaverton and work with the, with the basketball guys to come up with some cool things that would get a little bit less ridiculous for the city edition stuff. Like I want a subtle map of the city of Chicago on the front of my, you know, red, red bulls jersey that you could barely see, but it's in there, you know, and it's done in a certain provocative way, you know, and uh, stuff like that, you know, to really kind of push the envelope without making it, Two nineties, because I don't think we could go back to that anymore. I don't think, I don't think there's a place for something that over the top anymore. I don't think fans would react to it positively. Uh, I guess before you go, Tom, I think one last thing we wanted to ask you too. You know, you talk about obviously working in the nineties with the NBA and taking so many kind of big swings creatively. Um, like, what advice do you have for just creatives listening to this? You know, who have big ideas and want to take a big swing while working with big corporations? Like, like, what's the advice that you would give them? Always do something that's probably not going to get approved as one of your <laughs> options. Yeah, and sometimes you might have to do that on your own time because you have real goals to make. So, uh, this is an old, old marketing term, uh, but. When you go to Sears, for instance, there's a, 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 they've always had a pattern to their paint. And I don't even, Sears is almost out of business, but they've always had a good, better, best paint selection. So a good gallon of paint costs you $5.99, a better gallon of paint's $8.99, and the signature brand would be $15. And then do one that's not any of those. Do one that's like the what if concept, you know, and make sure that when you're working in this environment that you're always saying, okay, we can play the regular tees, but we should also play the long tees once in a while, play the black tees and really go for the gusto. And I think that's part of it, just challenging yourself, thinking out of the box. There are so many wonderful concept designers today on the internet, all these guys doing stuff on Behance and Dribble and all these cool like concept things. But usually it's just a derivative of the same thing that's already there. They're just kind of replicating what's been done. But what I love to see is when somebody does something like, whoa, what the hell am I looking at there? And it could be so insanely, uh, you know, un undoable because it's just not practical, but it's like the, the, the juices are flowing. People are thinking about how to do it differently. My point, like the untucked idea, you know, like, is it always going to be that way? You know, uh, the, the soccer players don't tuck in their jerseys. Well, you know, so why do the NBA players do, you know? So I've always thought about how to do something like that or the hem on thing, you know, like imagine a Bulls jersey that it's got the diamonds on the side of the uniform instead of the pants, you know, that just flows out of the design um, and do something like that. Maybe, you know, operations guys would say, yeah, because they're going to be holding each other and it wouldn't be practical. But those are the kind of things that I'm always thinking about. And then other things just, you know, beyond the uniform, how does it extend to the court? You know, those are the things that we didn't talk about in this conversation, but what is the court design? You know, we did some wacky things with the Raptors courts, 
right? When they first launched and, you know, dinosaur marks running across the front of it. But if the, if the uniform is the costume, then the court's the stage, right? And so that court should be held in very high esteem too, because it just, it holds the brand together. So I think that that's something designers should always be looking at, you know, and then how does that uniform relate to the shooting shirt, you know? So it's always just, you know, a uniform is just, it's the most important part of the identity by far because it's what the players wear. But what else is there? You know, what else can be done to challenge conventionality? Uh, one of my biggest thrills, you know, in my history, in my career is the WNBA launch and how we did, you know, uniforms for the WNBA from nowhere. So what was, what are those going to look like? And I look at those 30 years later, I'm like, those are still pretty fresh. I know they were the dazzle knit, they were kind of shiny and all that stuff, you know. But that's just what we were doing at the time, you know. So uh, I think that's all part of it. Uh, and it's, you know, and look for other, look for inspiration off the court, you know. Go to a, uh, you know, you know, people still go to a mall, go to a mall, see what's happening in fashion, see what, you know, uh, Polo Sports doing or, you know, Ralph Lorenz doing or some of those guys and see how you might be able to bring some of their design treatments back into a basketball uniform, you know. Alexander Julian figured it out. So <laughs> that might be a good cue as well. Well, so. how, how did you, uh, speaking of the WNBA stuff, how did you react uh, or did you see when uh, Jaden Ivey, he wore his mom's uh, shock jersey to the arena? And then I, I'm not sure if they changed, if then the, the game jerseys were the, the the teal pistons, but that had been a cool kind of full circle moment yeah. for you. It, it really was, you know, and, uh, you know, you have your, you have your passion projects and the WNBA in 1996 was a passion project. Imagine doing the Grizzlies and Raptors and then David Stern walking your office and say, Oh, by the way, uh, you know, we're going to start a WNBA and we got eight teams. We have no names. We have no, we don't know where we're playing. We don't know what the color of the ball is, you know, get to work, you know? <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> but again, that's a chance to start with nothing and make something. And so when you think about the magnitude, of this WNBA kind of startup and what, what it's meant to the uh, women's sports. It's, I'm so proud of that, you know, even today uh, to have played a small role in that. So, yeah. So it's, it's exciting. It's exciting times. It's, 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 it's amazing that people focus on this. It's amazing that people buy these jerseys 30 years later. And I don't know if it's nostalgia. I don't know if it's just, it looks like you're getting more money for your design than you are. today. I don't know, but it's 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 been fun. It's been fun to see the kind of the return to this and uh, and to talk about it and to tell stories because these things ultimately disappear. So for people to know how it happened is is very cool to me. Forever a fan of your of your work and uh, you continue to, to trailblaze. Game plan creative is is the name of your agency. Is that correct? That's correct. We just landed a new big project. I'm going to brag here. We're going to yeah. be working with the U.S. the U.S. Polo association amazing polo not ralph loren polo 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 so they want to look at they want us to look at the brand from jumpstart like how can we redo the polo players uniforms and how can we do colors for the helmets and how could we brand this more as a professional sport so we were just down in wellington florida working on it and it's going to be one of the coolest projects i think i'm ever going to work on because a lot like uh a startup there's no there's no roadmap you know, so it's, we're ex super excited about it. And it's uh, it's a little different than what we normally would do. So that's that's my little plug for you know, go watch a polo match. You'd be shocked at how much cool, how cool it is. It I'll, really is cool. So. I'll watch their all-star <laughs> game. 
whenever whenever that okay. happens. <laughs> well, the horse is all painted different colors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but thanks for joining Running the Break. Yeah, uh, that that was Tom Grady. I've been CJ Toledano. Uh, Alex Wong, subscribe, rate, review. Shout out to our producers, uh, Grace, Peter, and Kurt. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.